Well, hello and welcome to what is the Christmas edition of the Adoption of Bostering podcast from the NF Network. With me, Al Coates, and him, Scott Cassandrenny. And today we've got two guests who are kind of, well, are they guests or are they co-hosts or are they, oh. I think the part of the ANF that we're fam, family, family, <laughs> family, family, yeah. family. We're, we're family. 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 <laughs> family. Yeah. Uh, so we've got the wonderful uh, Vicky McEwen. Hello, Vicky. Hi, nice to see you this evening. Oh, that sounded very, very formal. Very formal. <laughs> like it's a Christmas party. We've got wine yeah. and Christmas jumpers, tinsel in our hair. <laughs> nice to meet you. Mm. Oh, she's gone all professional therapist on this. Yeah, it's a bit scary. Trying, trying. <laughs> and the uh, wonderful, who we've never really met before, Haley Muir. Hello, everybody. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Oh well, oh she's come prepared. She's yeah, she has, hasn't she? She's yeah, she's she's challenged Vicky to to a Christmas off. It's game of fun. <laughs> um, I thought it'd be good, really, just to sort of to, well to spend some time and we'll have a chat and just kind of review the year and the the good, the bad, and the ugly. But I, I we were sort of maybe people of who listen to the podcast and download the podcast and they get kind of automatically slots into their feed, wherever that feed is. And they'll have probably heard you guys talking over the years. We've mm-hmm. done like seven, eight episodes since the middle of the summer. Um, so you've become a pretty regular feature. But um, uh, you're, it's a totally different format. It's very sensible. It's two women talking, very sensible, <laughs> as opposed to two men talking, which is very unsensible. So uh, introduce yourself. So Haley, tell us a bit about yourself. Who are you? What are you? Wh- why are you? Why are you? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Who are you? Who am I? Oh, God, that's a deep question. Um, surface level. Who am I? So I'm Haley Muir. I'm a social worker. Um, I qualified 23 years ago. Uh, I'm currently still in practice. I know you're surprised because I look too young, don't I? Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> She's got Vaseline on the screen. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's up full on the uh, <laughs> the filters. Give it higher, higher. <laughs> um, I am in practice in a local authority where I work part time as a uh, well within the Lado service, local authority designated officer. Ooh. Oh, I, I just had a thought there might be a conflict of interest. <laughs> there I, I may literally, be. Right. Just anyway, keep going. I'll go and, I'll go and read some books somewhere about yeah, that, read the law. <laughs> <laughs> so I do that part-time. Um, I also am part-time in training and consultancy. So I deliver a lot of signs of safety training and consultancy, both to the local authorities on a systemic level, but also to their practitioners um, on a practice level. And I have had the joy of working in practice with Vicky many years ago. Uh, enjoyed the experience so much that I haven't let her go and have hung on for dear life and looked for wherever she has gone. That and the fact oh, we're well. both from Yorkshire. Yeah, we both grew up in Yorkshire. Yorkshire. Oh. Yorkshire. There's so you're kind northern. of Middle England kind of thing. <laughs> I'm an army brat. I'm an army brat, to be fair. So oh, I, I grew up in the forces. So I, yeah, you right. would argue Middle England accent because uh, <laughs> I've been around the world. Had to make friends very quickly. Yeah, it's funny because we talked about we have talked about that before in terms of geography. Because Al sees himself as northern, whereas I'm originally from Scotland, so I see myself as 
proper northern. Proper northern. Yeah, people from Yorkshire see themselves as northern as well. So I'm not sure where that. Oh, where, bless them. Where bless that them. boundary is. <laughs> I don't know. Where, it's like a competition well. to see who's from, who's more further yeah. north. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I do apologise. No, I'm really me. northern. I was just going to say I'm really northern because I've, we've all got our Christmassy Christmassy jumpers. I'm not going to say Christmas jumpers, but, yep. and, but my tag's still on mine, look. <laughs> so I'm taking, taking back? mine back tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> 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 You're, you joking. are northern. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I couldn't find a humbug one, so this had to do. So yeah, there we go. So it's gone back. Oh, no, it won't go back. This will do for Christmas. Anyway, sorry, I do apologize. So Vicky, <laughs> you've been on before. You've also been to one of our um, amazing COVID conferences. Yeah. And when I say been to one, you didn't come to it, but you presented at one. So yeah, just oh, yeah. remind everybody who you are. So I am the other half of Better Me, Better Us. I am also or social work trains and then I retrained to be a therapist and have done that since 2016 so do a lot of work through the what was the adoption and support fund now is the adoption and special guardianships fund. she's good isn't she she's yeah. good smoothly. it's a bit early it's a bit early but you're good damn she's good um <laughs> yeah so that is me live in the northeast and yeah, and owns a segue, apparently. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, on 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 that note, over to our roving reporter from the front lines of social work. <laughs> it's like nationwide. I think he used to come on after the TV program Nationwide. Yeah. Oh, Scott doesn't. Yeah, it's like that, isn't it? Over to our roving reporter, Vicky McEwen, on the front lines of adoption therapy, and. Um, Vicky, what's been the news this week in the, in the front lines of adoption therapy? Well, to be fair, I was just thinking then it's interesting that um, you've been talking about it, Al, but I'm not sure many or I haven't heard other people talking about the impact of it in practice mm. and what that will look like. So that in itself is interesting, isn't it? The people that will be doing it and delivering it aren't as yet actively talking about it. So we, oh. we I think we need to fill listeners in because if that's the case, Vicky, people might not know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So Al. I've seen your email. Oh, right. I think uh, and, this and, is and shambolic. To be, fair, to um, be fair, can I just say, the first I heard of it was this morning. I logged into Facebook and your posts come up for some reason. I don't even follow you. I don't know what, what's going on there. But anyway, um, and but you posted about it yesterday. And I was like, oh, okay. And I, I this is how me and Al tend to work. We're very kind of blunt to the point. And you did, you you almost like did a duh moment. Like, why did this not happen earlier? It's quite a simple change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did it need all this massive big hoo-ha over it? So Al, go on. I'm I'm being very bossy now tonight, but go on, explain. Oh, well, the Adoption Support Fund is set up so that it's got it's available to children that are previously looked after, which is a legal status. So previously mm-hmm. looked after means that they have at some point or other been in the looked after system, be that under a under the Children Act under section 20, 31, yeah, the 30. Um Get me sections, all of them muddle. All my student social workers will be giddy. Um, <laughs> writing stern emails to the clear. Yeah, no. Next time you're in supervision with them, they're going to be like, um, well, you said. <laughs> you said. You said. That's why I filled my law degree. You said. Um, so the, that what that meant was that that, and, and the fund was set up in a really specific way because of um, the government wanted 
to make sure that the money got to the children as quickly as possible. And I think that what I think happened was that they looked at lots of really alternative ways, like giving pots of money to individual local authorities, giving it, you know, ring fencing it, yada, yada, yada. They looked at all complicated ways, but this seemed to be the most effective way was to centrally hold the money and to be able to say, right, you through the duty, the statutory duty that the local authorities hold or held at the time, which is the duty to assess the needs of children in terms of their adoption needs. So this is going back. Oh, this is going back right at the beginning. So that is the route into the assessment of need, which then opens the door into the adoption support fund. And it became clear that that sort of was 20, 2014, 13, 14, 15. In the meantime, adoption spe or special guardianship arrangements came through in 20, mm. uh, 2008. Started to, the ball started to really get rolling sort of uh, in through the teens. And now they're at a comparative level and seeing that there's this group of children that are almost comparably, you know, this, their needs are the same, their journeys are very similar, um, but their sort of end point is different. So that's where it opened up to previously looked after children. So children who have been in foster care then gone back into a kinship arrangement and then gone to a become a special guardianship. So not kinship or not children who've gone straight into kinship or straight mm -hmm. to special guardianship, that that the fund is then open to them. And for years, it's just not had the word special guardianship in, which is kind of, it mm -hmm. speaks volumes. So, you know, what? That was a long. That was a long answer. That, that was question. a very long explanation. Yeah, and, good and, chronology well, there, though. Well, it is, Thank isn't you. it? It's almost like he's got a script or something. Anyway, uh, yeah. but 20, 2015, the ASF launched, didn't it? Was that when the pilot launched with the ten local authorities? It was piloted in yes across ten local authorities, which was fascinating. It was because I was there. I wanted to adopt UK at that point, and I did part of the thing with the roundtable discussions and all that sort of stuff. Um, but um, I was just going to say, so so the upshot is that they've changed the name of it, haven't they? Yeah. 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 So what's the new I mean, name, Al? It's the Adoption and Special Guardianship um, Adoption, sorry, it's the Adoption and Special <laughs> Guardianship Support Fund. Dead catchy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the tongue, clearly. Yeah, what really a massive difference. It's a little bit like when they changed the ALB to the ASGLB. So the Adoption Leadership Board became the Adoption and Special Guardianship Leadership Board. Guardian Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. But it aligns with the whole work around the the kind of the piloting now with around kinship and that they're kind of raising the level of awareness in kinship and mm. the, the piloting, I think, across eight local authorities where they're going to do um, the, the kinship or the, the grandparents or whoever's in this, the arrangement is going to get a comparative allowance to fostering, which is... Yeah. Which is yeah. fabulous, actually, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's long yeah. overdue, let's be honest. Yeah. Absolutely long overdue. Shall we go over to our roving reporters? Um, <laughs> so you both work work directly with families and children in a way that um, that Scott isn't allowed to, and I shouldn't. <laughs> um, and you shouldn't be allowed to either. But le legally I can, but shouldn't be. <laughs> um, anyway, we'll have that ladder conversation. <laughs> yeah, there. I was going to say, stay on after the call. <laughs> <laughs> if you could, that would be that's <laughs> And have your registration really... card ready so she can get the number off it. Yeah. Well, you, everyone knows I've been up before the Lado. I've stood up before two Lados. Anyway, that's another story. Um, Billy's going to be like, <gasps> I think my Christmas jumper's too warm. It's very hot in here. Yes. <laughs> so you work directly with families. Do you work with special guardianship families? You know, Better Me, Better Us works directly in families. Who is your predominant client group? 
Well, of how we both looked at each other then. No, we always do because we're being polite for once, aren't we? I am, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say it's a mixture, really, isn't it, Vicky? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. for, for better me, better us, I think we've got a mixture of birth families and kinship cares and adoptive families as well. Um, I think it's about an even split in practice that looks different. Um, I probably work a lot more with foster carers. Um, but again, it's indirect, probably my role more now. Um, Vicky, for you, who are the, the yeah. sort of service users you're seeing in your... A mixture of literally everybody, really. Um, I've got more um, fostering and kinship care than I actually thought I would end up working with. So that in itself has been really interesting. And I think mm-hmm. to answer your question, Al, of who do we actually work with, I think for us, it's more about the the topics and subject matter in terms of how trauma and attachment affects people and families, individuals and families, because it's across the board, isn't it? It's not specific to set groups of people, such Mm. as adoptees or foster carers and things like that, children in foster care. So um, I'm really interested to see how it translates to practice in terms of how much social, how much training the social workers have had. I don't know if you know the answer to that in terms of those 10 local authorities that are going to be using it in terms of how much preparation because that's always the the difficulty isn't it when something new starts what that then looks like whether it's really disjointed when it's coming into practice and whether families are getting the same service across those 10 local authorities Mm. will be interesting in and of itself and how it's assessed isn't it will they be doing assessment of needs then just like adopted children uh uh, well, you would hope so. I mean, it. The, the I shouldn't think that process would change, would it? I don't know. I'm, I'm not involved but, in it anymore, so it's, it's quite difficult for me to. Know. I mean, basically, the form you fill in online that is yeah. submitted to Mock, Mock McDonald, Donald, who's who um, administers the fund, and then they say yes or no, basically. Yeah. Um, but you need a qualified social worker to make that assessment. Um, but I guess you you'll work if you work in the northeast, then there's. there's Northeast quite unusual, and it's got lots of local authorities quite close together, hasn't it? Yeah. So, do you see differences across the different authorities in terms of, I mean, where do kinship families sit in terms of within social care? So, sometimes it's sort of they're quite aligned to fostering. Sometimes it's adoption. Sometimes they're set on their own. Come on, and you keep. <laughs> and, and do what Scott and I do. If you don't know the answer, make something up that's plausible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just thinking there. I don't think I've ever come across it in terms of in an adoption field, in an adoption capacity. It's more in terms of fostering, and it's always how the work comes to me in that sort of um, in that sort of case is via other people. It's someone that's heard me or. I'm in a school or I'm in a school working with another young person and that it's mm. it's never been a direct sort of referral. It's always come via someone else, which again, I suppose, shows the level of mm. or lacking support for that group of people. I think a lot has to do as well with the local authorities' model of practice. What is their model of practice? So what is the whole, whole culture of that organisation? Is it an organisation that is driven more towards kinship care and the use of Mm. informal networks because if they are then their policies should should hopefully be aligned to that which would suggest hopefully that those families would you know benefit from from a a better response from the workers because 
their whole ethos is to maintain that setup rather than look for an alternative. And I'm smiling there because we've had conversations, haven't we? Only last week, I think, Hayley, about do local authorities actually know what model and approach they are using themselves? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's really interesting what you're just saying there, Hayley, because I remember when special guardianship became like a a more preferred option. And when I think back, and this is a few years ago now, um, and I was a an adoption panel member and I was also on the foster panel they brought in a permanence panel to include special guardians and kinship but what was really interesting about that and I'm not going to name the authority <laughs> but it seemed to just be like this is a couple of years ago not now but it yeah. seemed to be more about the cost of it because they thought that actually if they've just placed young pe- children young people within their families that they could get away with paying them less now I think fair play to them because they were actually paying them. That's the first thing. And, you know, we are yeah. talking at least 10 years ago now. So, you know, it's, it's, I, mean, I know it's not a new thing, but in terms of actually yeah. making sure that people were financially looked after, that was great. But I think that they they initially thought it was going to be a, a, a better way to be able to cost save. Yeah. But actually what it's done is it's kind of lit the fire under somebody's ass to go, actually, do you know what, this is... This is a preferred method yep. uh, of of people being of children and young people being looked after. But actually, we still need to invest in these families to make sure that you know we we do best by them, and that actually the the, the parents, carers, whatever you, you know, whatever your preferred term is, that they can actually look after them and support them. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think there's quite a lot of research in America, isn't there? That's that's done a long study following. Um, you know, long-term foster care over kinship care and looked at the outcomes for those children and young people. Um, and kinship care wins, you know, hands down in the majority mm. of those cases. But you're right, mm-hmm. the difference has been in the US, they've been financing that for a lot yeah. longer because they recognise actually, if we're asking grandparents that were born in the 50s to parent children that were born in the yeah. noughties, they're going to need support, particularly, you know, if they're coming with a level of trauma, um, you know, which is being demonstrated in behaviours. You know, how, mm. how are we asking those older grandparents to, to manage that situation and not use their old school parenting techniques that were Absolutely. okay in the yeah. 50s? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I've said it, I probably mentioned it on the podcast before, but I did a... Uh, I did a session with a group of kinship carers and one thing, they were all a little bit older, but there was one person who stood out in their 80s who was looking after an 11-year-old with additional needs. Wow. You think, wow. this is not how she'd envisaged her 80s panning out. You know, yeah. whatever she was planning, I'm sure it wasn't this. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had Paul Shuttleworth on and uh, he's talked, he's done some really interesting research, Dr. Paul Shuttleworth. Good, the good Dr. Paul Shuttleworth, um, to give him his full title. Um, and he talks about, well, he sort of was questioning the narrative around the kinship and saying there's just this sort of presumption that family's best, but is it? And are we mm. as- asking the right questions? And I think in the new year, we're going to get Sam Turner from, who's the head of, po- he's the head of something at kinship. Policy. He's going to come on. Policy. Policy. Policy schmolishy. Um, he's going to come on. But he couldn't be. He couldn't be bothered. No, that's not true. I'm, I'm giddy. <laughs> he, no, he was too busy to come to Christmas. Yeah, and and also our cups, our nice cups are quite empty at the minute. Well, mine's is definitely empty, but yours is getting there. So I think we're just kind of, yeah, yeah. There's, there's only so much. I'm just making that very clear because you've just said Dr. Paul Shuttleworth to 
piss Dr. Paul Shuttleworth off because he doesn't like being called Dr. Paul Shuttleworth. And then you said that. that. You did. You did. That's well, what you just did. Well, we've also got, as well in the EU, we've got Michelle Hall, who's doing a PhD. She's a kinship carer who's doing a PhD around gay, around kinship and contact between children and their parents. Mm. Um, that's fascinating. That's She's coming on to feed that back. She had, That was yeah. a Huge uh, last year, it was one of the biggest podcasts list, listened to, and wow. she's coming back to give us an update. There you go, mm. first wow. week, second yeah. week in January. And it's fine um, what you say because I do generally think there are some assumptions made about family. So I know within practice, there's always, a, and I still see it, a huge assumption that maternal grandmother will always be the right person to go to next. Well, how, how do we know that? Mm. So, again, although there's that research. Yeah. Don't make that assumption that family is best, just like you've said. Mm. Look at the behaviours and what what they can do for that child. Yeah, and uh, you've just you've just reminded me of something there, Haley, as well. Because actually, I remember when those first couple of families were coming through for the permanence panel. It as a panel back then, there was there was no training, there was no assessment of them no. really, um, and there was this kind of assumption that actually if we didn't. I know it has to go to an agency decision maker. So it wasn't like we were making a decision, but we were making a recommendation. Yeah. I'm preaching to the converted with, with our little group tonight. But um, but it did feel like you you had you had no choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but you if you'd said, um, well, what kind of assessment has been done, what kind of training has been done, what what you know, what are we looking at in terms of support? Mm-hmm. Back then, there would be no answer yeah. because there wasn't anything. And it was just almost like, well, we can keep a family together in yeah. some way, not necessarily with, with mum and dad, but certainly within the kind of the biological kind of sense. And I think that actually some places rushed it. And I think it's great that this research is coming out now. Um, and in actual fact, compared to some research, it's coming out really quick as well yeah. because, we're you know, we're, it's still relatively new in terms of uh, – I don't mean in terms of kinship and, and uh, kinship because that's always been a thing, hasn't it? Let's be honest yeah. about it. Even in Ireland, you know, we've talked to organisations in Ireland on the podcast this year where kinship has always been a thing because, you know, family look after family and that's the Irish way kind of thing. Um, but certainly um, with it being relatively new in terms of being recognised by local authorities as an official way for, you know, it's just, it's only really in the last couple of years that we're starting to see things like you know dr paul and the other lady that i'll mention that her name has escaped me and i apologize to that lady is it allison uh, no michelle michelle that's michelle, it. michelle, michelle. Hall, i think you may be going by a different i'm blaming now. i'm blaming the aneurysms after a long week okay let's just be honest about it there you go michelle hall Michelle Hall, that's the one. Yeah. yeah, she she had a different surname when she did the first podcast. Oh, did she? That's what confused me. It's probably Alice or something like that. Yeah, it, it might just be me being rubbish. Um, which <laughs> leads me nicely on to my next point for topic Ooh, another of conversation. Segue. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Smooth. Oh. Smooth. Smooth. <laughs> smooth. Come on, fire. <laughs> We're amending the... This is That's the first time I've heard of being called that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Smooth and Al don't go in the same. No, no not really. No. sentence together usually. Yeah. Oh well, you're using a, your your first joker quickly, aren't you? Um, yeah, there'll be there'll be quite a lot of the listeners who are on our side, so don't worry about it. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so, in a couple of things, first, I. I attend the adopter reference group. Scott got kicked off because of his bad attitude. No, that's not true. Scott didn't. Scott 
a lot. It got they changed the. Don't got to... don't do not do not poke <laughs> the bear on that one because you know right, okay. you know so please don't. Okay, I'll not mention that shall that shall not be mentioned. But I have an opportunity to pose a question to the children's minister in the new year. I'd like to know if you could ask the children's minister any one thing, and I guess we're we're looking at it through a sort of an adoption lens, but I'll maybe cut you some slack around that. <laughs> Off the top of your head, if you could ask the children's minister one thing, what would you ask them? Silence was the stern reply. <laughs> who are you, sorry, who are you asking? Who are you asking? All of us. And but I'm asking all oh, of okay. you. But he's he's trying to work out who the children's minister is because he hasn't checked the news in ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in ten minutes. Well, that that might be one of the questions, though, Al, isn't it? Given given the rapid change of ministers that we've yeah, had. Who are you? Yeah. Who are you? And how who do you, are how, you? Who, who are, are you? Oh, it's gone out of control, hasn't it? <laughs> it has, yeah. Um, yeah. How is he going to, how how has he envisaged creating sustainable policies that outlive him or another? You know, it's, uh, yeah. I'm sick of seeing this in local authorities, in governments. You know, it's not just until the next leader comes in. How are we going to make meaningful sustainable yeah. changes uh, yeah i mean I'm, it's a great question isn't it it's just what the hell is i think it since 2019 we're on our seventh children not yeah 2019 we're on our seventh children's minister god yeah and listen, it's reaching a point where almost everyone's had a turn you know <laughs> you next <laughs> that's it that's it yeah. oh, thanks for that vote of confidence Ricky. that's really good thank you no, oh, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll see. I'll, 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 I'll give it a crack. Yeah. Yeah. I failed everything else in life, so I might as well fail it. Why not? <laughs> no, didiums. All right, come on then. Other questions. So, Haley, you've got a good question about, you know, about making plausible, realistic in terms of, you know, we'll change up. Come on, Vicky McHugh, and you're looking pensive. Or is yeah, it how that will look in practice because I know there's a big push for that um for all young people to have access to mental health support but what will that actually look like because I always worry that when that starts to be offered not definitely is it not that it's doing more harm than good but sometimes a diluted version and what that looks like and that sort of light touch can open up a whole can of worms and it's probably similar to Haley then in terms of what is the long-term plan for that and how is it going to be measured and sustained so that young people don't have access to something that then is cut or changed later. Yeah, it feels like that idea of, can we keep this thread running? Can we yeah. just not yeah. constantly keep mm -hmm. a new plan, plan for yeah. today? Yeah. Did, uh, just as, while Scott thinks, did you see the news? No, today I've about got mine. I've got mine. I'm just waiting. All right, okay, yeah. okay. okay. Oh. okay. Right, so uh, I'll go, because actually you were just about to touch on where I was going to start with that, because oh. today... They announced the guidance for um, gender. Yes, I can't remember exactly what it is, but yeah, yeah, recognition and stuff in schools. And what was really interesting because I am in the UK at the minute, so I'm hearing the UK news because sometimes I don't hear it because I live in a different country. Um, but what was interesting was um, that um, it's taken them since I think it was 2018 or 2019. They said we're going to really we're going we're going to have some guidance soon for schools, and we're now in 2023. 
So I think my question would be, um, and and I think this would go to anybody who works within the Department for Education, actually, because I know that the civil servants are still there, even if the minister isn't there. So it's the same, yeah. or the teams generally are the same, aren't they? They don't just get yeah. rid of civil servants because a minister leaves. The, the, the civil servants are probably the mainstay of the DF, or of any department, actually, whether it's the DFA or whether it's you know, a department for this, that, or the next thing. But how can, how can the public trust that these things are a priority because you know this this got worse over covid the gender thing got worse over covid because children and young people weren't able to mix they weren't able to be with their own tribes and all this sort of stuff and and it wasn't just in the uk it was also in ireland you know cams in ireland saw a massive increase in referrals after or during covid of children who were questioning their, um, their gender and their um, uh, well, yeah, sexuality as well, I would imagine. You know, if they were already known by camps, and that might have been another thing on top of whatever else that was going through. Um, and, you know, that has dropped off now a little bit from, you know, who I speak to within the the, kind of, the Irish kind of um, sector, I guess you would call it. Um, but how can, the, how can the public trust that, you know, that they, all these changes in ministers, you know, Who's making the decisions and how mm -hmm. can we trust actually they're going to make them? Children only have a certain lifespan as children. Yeah. You know, they're not a financial year. They're not, you know, they don't work from March to March, all this sort of stuff. And it really irritates me that actually the children's minister of all people just changes. You know, it just like somebody, you know, somebody comes on a podcast and then next week they're gone. You know, all that sort of, it's just, yeah. it's ridiculous. So I, I guess my question would be, how can we, how can the public trust that actually the best interests of children are being taken into account by the Department for Education when the minister changes at a drop of a hat? Mm -hmm. That, that, I, it's probably quite a simple question, really. So you probably won't ask that one, but whatever. What? I really struggled. Like you, I thought uh, there's lots of things you can get, you can get into the long, grasp with policy and this that and this but then you think but it's it's a bigger question because <clears throat> that policy stuff kind of shifts and oozes and develops and but what what is your big plan that's which is what we're all asking isn't mm -hmm. it like and what is it by then it'd be january maybe 10 months out from an election maybe even less mm -hmm. why what what are you going to bring to this role for the next 10 months yeah. oh yeah Oh, and, and, very serious, and I guess that's, that's that's more. That's not Ooh. a question, but that's more of a, a question for us. Really, is are they just filling the position until the election? You know, have they just picked somebody who's going to be compliant and maybe have, be a a spokesperson to help the current government retain that vote? I don't. I don't know. You know, I'm. I'm very. I mean, I think the last the last five, if if the last five years has taught us anything, it's taught us that actually politics is a just a, a absolute cesspit. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. I can say that now because I don't sit in the DFE. I can say that quite open and honestly. And also, well, they don't pay my wages because <laughs> don't work in don't the UK. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, it's just it's a cesspit. And as time goes on, and yes, I know we had COVID in there, and every government across the world made mistakes in COVID. Yeah, although not every government had parties. So, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just, 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 <laughs> 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 just, 
But you know, um, every government made mistakes with COVID. But actually, the 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 crux of it is that you know this government has just not made too much progress, and actually the country is in such a bad state. And yes, we can blame Brexit for that. And be oh, as someone who lives, you're in a role, aren't you? Yeah, as someone who lives still lives in the EU, um, I can oh. safely say that <laughs> that's twenty percent of our listeners going to like, oh, well, we wanted to be independent, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's there's there's a lot of similarities across all all of Europe and the UK in terms of you know cost of living, blah blah blah. But actually, there's there's some governments who are actually in massive profits. You know, Ireland has, has I think it was like a couple of billion um, left over. Wow this year um you know they're giving that to the most vulnerable to be able to pay the energy bills and you know uh, like you know people who've just, got disability blah blah no but i'm just saying like you're you just know, gloating now <laughs> the uk isn't in that position and that's no. sad consider you know but we have had this government for quite a long time regardless who the leader is and who children the minister is we've had this government a long time and it is oh i feel like i'm on the campaign now i feel like it's time for a change <laughs> yeah yeah it's time for a change I think it's time for a change of question. Honestly, that was very serious, Scott. Be, that was very serious. It's Christmas, change, man. Might be the change change of co-host on the podcast as well at this rate. Of time. I was going to be basting their turkeys listening to this with the family. Mm. Um, They're Scott <laughs> ranting God on about... them. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Bloody Brexit. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, we could get into the long grass because I've got loads of really like, like deep questions, but I thought maybe some trivial questions would be helpful. Um, in terms of... We're looking forward to the year and to the next year. It's maybe not a trivial question, so it's a serious question. What are you looking forward to for the coming year? So if I start, shall I start with Scott? Because he's just prattling on for hours here. He's on a roll. <laughs> Have you been, he's on, he's giddy because he's, he's, on, he's on English soil again. <laughs> see, if that, see if he rises to that. No, he didn't. Um, no, what are you looking forward really. to next year? Professionally and personally, what's your, what are you looking forward to in 2024? So professionally, well, I mean, so yeah, professionally, I'm looking forward to seeing a rather large government grant going to FASD Ireland's bank account that we have been verbally told that we have. However, me being the skeptic that I am or the (laughs) pessimist, whatever way you want to put it, until that filthy moolah is in the bank account... (laughs) Um, so we applied um, through the, it's called DCD. So it's the Department for Children, Education, Disability, something else. Anyway, um, Irish government setup is a little bit different, but it's quite, there, there's a few similarities. Anyway, we applied to um, do a, what's called a, well, same here, SLA, service level agreement with them, where we provide um, an organization that can support um people living with FASD, whether that's family, actually people that live with it, et cetera, et cetera, um, and be able to support those living with it, but also to be able to, you know, um, kind of raise awareness and do, you know, campaigns, et cetera, et cetera. Um, We applied for that funding and verbally we've been told that we will be looked after. However, like I say, until February, we won't know to February until that money drops in. So that's great news because so far, you know, Two of us are working full time and we're taking the part time salary out of it. So, you know, we'll be able to kind of relax a One little bit. One more holiday. Maybe. <laughs> who knows? Well, no, actually, we'll be able to pay, pay off the credit cards that have paid for the previous For the previous holiday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So that's, I, I guess that's the prof- professional bit because it's, you know, it's been, it's been a hard couple of years. You know, we've still got our savings invested oh. in the organisation. Hang on, I'll just get my violin out. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest because that's how we do things, isn't it? You know, yep. I didn't think I'd be in this position, but there we go, we are. Um, and, you know, if that comes off, then great. Um, because Personally, actually we'll, then? we'll be able to do mo- so much more. Personally, um just to get through the year, if I'm honest. <laughs> wow, so you're saying that already. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I literally had the crappiest week ever, like oh. literally. Oh. Um, but um, I'm not going to talk about that because I don't want to. But, um, you know, so close to Christmas, just just didn't need it to happen this, this week. But anyway, um, however... I also visited my granddaughter today and she just made everything so much better because, you know, a 10 week old baby is going to make everything so much better, isn't it? And she smiled and she could mean that. So I'm actually looking forward to them visiting next year. They're coming over in February and also me coming back and forward to the UK to see her. So that's, you know, that's, I think that's a big thing for me. Absolutely. No, and she still no. smells like a baby as well. Oh, lush! One, one of my friends said to me a couple of weeks ago, "Can you just sniff her and see what she smells like?" <laughs> I said, "Why would you want me to do that?" Because my boys weren't babies when they came; they were like seven and eight. Yeah. I said because I love the smell of the babies. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's like there's probably a website somewhere. But you won't go there. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not with a ladder on the call. No. Um, no. <laughs> She's got people she can ring. She really does have people who can check that out. Well, that's that's a that's a good thing. So, um, Haley, what about you? Professionally Ooh. next year, personally next year. Professionally next year, I think I'm hopeful that Better Me, Better Us continues to grow. Um, you know, we've been trying to just connect more with with a wider audience, wider network to just. I think have conversations around change, around what's happening for children and young people in all sorts of areas, you know, education, health, um, adoption and fostering, social care, the the whole gambit. So I'm always working with hope. I think professionally, that's that would be my word moving into 2024. I'm always hopeful and I'm currently a practice educator, so I haven't had a student for oh, years. No. I know I have a student and that's given me hope because I'm seeing <laughs> things through a different lens. Um which just make me feel old and bitter on time. Like a twisted old woman, you know? Oh. You oh, I remember when I used to think like that. It was so nice. <laughs> Before life battered me. I'm only joking. <laughs> Chin smoking social yes. worker. <laughs> Going back for more every day. <laughs> um, so always working with hope. And I think personally, well, it's, I have a big birthday next year. Yes, I'm 21. And, uh, yeah, I was going to say. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I wouldn't have said 21, but you know. <laughs> thanks, love. You know, I think you, I think you were aiming for 18 or something there. Then that's, that's what I'm taking <laughs> that <Yeah>. as. <laughs> and um, my youngest has taken her GCSEs and transitioning on to college to do further uh, education at 16, which has got me anxious, but also hopeful as well. God, I'm old. Oh. And you're extremely positive as well. It was all positive and rainbows there. Well, you know, life is tough. We take some knocks, but we continue every day with 
and new hope in the spring in our step. I, I think I'm convincing myself, Scott. I'm always got the end of my tether and ready for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep saying it. Keep saying it. Keep saying it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. she's crawling towards the Christmas break. Come <laughs> on, then, Vicky. Spill your guts. What do I hope for for 2024? Um, to not work as much as I have worked this year. I think last week I was ready for a Christmas holiday, definitely. Um, <laughs> so to keep doing what I'm doing, but with a better work-life balance, hopefully, is the. I'm going to say a better dream. attitude. <laughs> <laughs> and I would like to. There's something about that still, and anybody that talks to me regularly will know my frustrations. I think I still feel really frustrated that we're not in my opinion, breaking cycles. So I don't know how or what I want to do in terms of that, but in terms of just sitting on adoption panel, seeing the same families coming through um, and things like that, wanting to make a difference or trying to do more work with birth families. I don't know how that will Ooh. look or what that would look like, but I would like to do some because, especially in the work I do, I find that I end up working with teenagers that are then making contact with birth families and with come the full circle so it's joining all that up I don't know how or what that will look like but and maybe it's just to try and reduce some of my frustrations with it all to see what what I can do in that world um Ooh. Any you know, I might have some I might, I might have an idea oh. um I'm I'm the chair of trustees for families in care have you heard of families in care I have yes because of you yeah <laughs> right so that's that defeats the object well you should maybe do some find out a bit more about what we do with families who've got children in the care system. One of my definite goals for this year is to not do any more studying in terms of a full-on course. I think nearly every single year of my life I have been in education. So this year I am not spending my weekends writing essays or doing anything like that. Don't mind doing odd CPD stuff, but I am not doing all that extra stuff this year. See, that so, sounds to me more like a New Year's resolution than a you know, uh, so there we go. I think, Kelly, we've we've got our Achilles heel with the potential negative thing that, you know, it's, just <laughs> like, it's not even negative, but it just sounds like, oh, I can't do that again for a few years. <laughs> I cannot write any more reference. I was just so going to say, actually, before we come to Al, um, talking to birth families, uh, today, Angela Fraser-Wicks was at Windsor yes. Castle yeah. receiving her MBE from King Charles, which I thought was just lovely. It's just, do you know what? Yeah, it's just amazing to see that actually some of that stigma has been yeah. removed from, you know, um, um, I, I don't know the correct term to use, but I'd say like birth parents in terms of, you know, she's she's used her experience to actually influence and I'm just so in awe of her and she, I yeah. I knew she was doing it and I'm actually just 10 miles from her right now or <laughs> where she lives um and I was supposed to meet her last time and I, I didn't get around to it and I was hoping to, and then I saw she was getting her MBA I was like oh it's not gonna happen this time either um <laughs> but I just think you know we should yeah we really should send her a massive congratulations on that because actually what she's done, not just for her own family, but for other families, just huge, absolutely huge. I'm just so like delighted for her, and she got yeah. to meet King Charles as well. Mm -hmm. Like she got the she got the the big the big man. <laughs> Who did you get out? When you the got big your dog. Interview? Who were you? Oh, 
Did you know I got an MB, Scott? Um, <laughs> Surprisingly, <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I got the queen. The queen. Wow. Did you really? Booyakisha. Was there photographic evidence of this? Because I didn't even know that. <laughs> you must have known that. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. I totally did. She was the size of a small teapot. She was tiny. <laughs> and she said to me, she said, Ew, do children still need adopting then? And I went, yes, they do, me lady. <laughs> me lady. <laughs> and then a Gurkha dragged me off and roughed me up. <laughs> yeah, they thought you were some sort of weirdo, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I never knew that it was the queen that gave you. I thought yeah, it was something. I thought it was one of the ladies in waiting or something. You know, no, it was ladies in waiting. <laughs> yes, That's how important it is. <laughs> yeah. And, corgi. And, yeah. A corgi. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It wasn't even a real MBE. It's just written on a bit of cardboard. It's like a hand-drawn <laughs> one on cardboard. On the, on, the, on, the, on the inside of a Marlboro Light packet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, here he goes. Oh, oh he's getting old. proof. He's getting proof. Yeah. Although this is on a screen, this isn't in real life. We're not Amazing. actually able to watch it, so it, it doesn't work on the podcast, does it? Not very good. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. No, no, not at all. Anyway, for um, those that, for those that can't see, he's just shown us his MBE little medal thing. It's his little trinket that he puts onto his trinket jacket when he goes for a run. Wear my pajamas. Um, well, yeah, I sure. I had a kind of a. There's always stuff, but I'm always tinkering and pottering, and, and I really would like to see something. I, I, I've looked like really far and wide in terms of how do we spot families with children with really complicated behavior in terms of violence and aggressive and challenging behavior? How do we effectively support families? And given all of the limitations and the isolation, I think for me that this year I'd really love to see something some tangible movement on that. And I had a lot of thoughts and I've been speaking to some people. So I'd love to see that next year that we would see that turned into something, maybe a community or a network that is nice. just across, not doesn't, don't care how you got to this point, whether that be children with additional needs, children who are, you know, biologically yours or not biologically yours, that we just have this kind of this place where people can seek, get help, get professional help, advocacy, all the things that we know that really, because I think especially um, support, like just peer support is just, it's like this massive foundation which you can build mm. so much other stuff off. So I think that's, yeah. I have no idea how I'm going to do that and I don't know when I'm going to do that, but that's kind of in the plan. But I am, uh, I'm I, talking I, I, to brighter I, I, minds than mine. <laughs> it's well, I was everyone, just going really. to say as well, that's not just, um, I don't think that's just a, a UK thing, is that, you know, I mean, peer support is... Mm -hmm. Pretty much the world over, isn't yeah. it? And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, actually, didn't we? Um, because it's the same. Oh, I'm staying in an Airbnb and they're hoovering upstairs. That's the joyous <laughs> thing. You probably, exactly. I don't know if you can hear that. I'll probably have to go through and just check that out. Um, but yeah, um, it's the world over. And I think that, you know, um, we kind of underestimate the, the kind of real benefits of peer support. And actually, we just expect it to happen. There's no yeah. real stuff that goes behind the scenes to make sure that no. you, you know you're, you're you're kind of getting the right peer support because i think there is right peer support as well i don't think yeah. it should just be a random you yeah. know coming together of minds sorry Al, yeah. i didn't mean to interrupt no, you no but i think it's really interesting because in terms of i've looked across the world i mean like literally searched the internet for peer support communities around this issue and there's maybe one or two and there's huge like 
Yeah, well, you know, we we did a lot this year, but last year we did um we did stuff around this, and there's people coming from South America saying, "I don't know what to do. Can I come and join your thing? It's three o'clock in the morning here." And you wow. go, mm. "Blooming heck! How desperate must you be to come and listen to me at three o'clock in the morning?" Yeah. Um. Um. So that's yeah. professional, and um, that's just a little little thing I'm adding into my list. Um. And personally, <laughs> um, I want to survive March. That's my personal. Paul is going away to Australia, so um. Which is really exciting for a month, um, and I'm sort of quite looking forward to that because I'm going to, because uh, you know, there's, there's this constant flux between like how she runs the house and how I run the house, and um, there's been a team talk, oh. and we're we're sort of slipping into patriarchal. We're out of the matriarchal. We're slipping into patriarchal. It's going to be a tight ship. It'll be steak for tea every night. It'll be. Oh my um, god. All the pastoral nurturing and will be destroyed. <laughs> what? When Paula's away, I'm going to come and visit and do a do a do a, just do an observation. Go on how it's all going. Yeah, an un- un- unannounced observation just to see how it's going. Um, and I'm sure that the good Mrs. C will will love me to do that as well. <laughs> oh, the windows will be out. They'll be like, they'll be a city. You'll be in the, in the front garden. <laughs> Wasteland. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Round the a horse fire. in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, horse in the kitchen. <laughs> Children fair, eating kebabs for breakfast. Mrs. C. That's more Mrs. Yeah. C. Sorry. Yeah. But, I think if Mrs. House, C could have a horse in her kitchen, she would. Oh, we've got stories. We had goats. We had goats once. That's another story. But we had goats for a short period of time, and they got loose in the kitchen. And the and the dog and Paul going round the kitchen island with a goat and a dog. And... Yeah, it's a yeah. It's one of those family what stories. What fun you have! Yeah. Oh, yeah. We used to keep yeah. ducks in the arga and things, all kinds of weird stuff. Anyway, anyway, enough of that. We've lived some sort of bizarre, bizarre, mad dream, and. Um, Final thing before we go, we do have the king, the, the alternative king speech. I have to record it with the, the alternative king, um, if he's still doing it. But that's another story. But we'll have that. Um, it's is maybe a slightly flamboyant alternative king. So this year, um, three questions, really quick. Um, so what have you been listening to? What have Here you been go. reading? And what have you been watching this year? Shall I tell you what I I read a book by Spike Milligan. Yeah, you go first. It, right, so this is a book, and I, I, it's kind of a war memoir. He's written several, and it was his final one, the, the ones toward the end, and it's the only book that's ever made me cry, and I cried, and I sobbed, tears running down my face, because he tells the story of how he experienced post-traumatic stress disorder. And it goes from this flippant, mm-hmm. like Spike Milligan is just this, is this surrealist comedy comedian. And he tells this, he tells the story and he's like, it's the 20 year old kids and they're in war and they're, they're just being lads and it's all laddish and it's funny and it's surreal and it's hilarious. And then just as the book slowly progresses, the tension and this sense of doom sets in as his, the world starts to close around him. And then um, it gets to this point where he, he, he develops piles, which is not nice. But they're open and they're bleeding, and he, he won't get discharged. So he's he's still working, and then he has to spend seven. He, he experiences somewhere next to him gets blown up, and he has to put the fire out on someone. So he physically puts the fire out on them. One of his friends who dies, and then he has to stay up for seventy two hours, and then he has to carry some weapons up through a through a battle, and then he just describes 
his mental breakdown. And it's just the most profound description of mental ill health that I've ever had. And it was just, and you can see, and he tell he, he it was an audiobook, And so he tells it and he's funny all the way through and he's laughing at his own jokes like Spike Milligan could, but it was just the, probably the most, it's, it's given me a window into a, a world of mental health. That I just was just, wow. So that, that was amazing. So that's quite serious and quite boring and mm. just sensible. And, um, Totally got into the. Pre- it's also the music. you didn't read it; you listened to it. Yeah, yeah no, but so I can't read was, it. Yeah, it's yeah. not a book. Yeah. All right, can I, then I, well, I have that as listening to. But I've been listening to Prince. I've got into Prince this year, and the best TV I've seen this year, right, Scott, is The Last of Us. I don't know whether anyone saw that. The Last of Us. Have you seen The Last of Us? No. And it's kind of a horror no. zombie apocalypse thing, but the most profound. Definitely piece not of for television. me. No, me. There's an episode. There's an episode that you should watch, Scott. And I'm not going to tell you, but it's just the probably the most profound piece of television I've ever I'm seen. I'm not going to watch it. You just you just said it's horror, and I don't <laughs> do horror. I'm afraid. Right. So, I'll explain yeah. it. I Sorry won't. I won't spoil it for anyone. But there's an episode where it's about two men falling in love, and it's just probably the best bit of television I've ever seen in my life. I think. Oh, it, really? I, yeah, it's just really, really bizarre. Anyway, that's does, me. Does that happen? Is that a thing? Is that a thing? Well, two men it's a terribly modern world, world, Scott. Terribly modern world. Um, uh, you know, uh, I'm gonna. Who sh- who's yeah. wants to go next? Then who wants to share their what have they listened to, watched, and read? Come on. See, mine's are really basic and boring. So yeah, what I've is. watched, I've watched Gogglebox every week that it's been on because I love Gogglebox, and it just it is my Friday night cheer me up after the end of a long week just to giggle at the uh, uh, see you're shaking your head out this is, this no, no. is a, a multi-reach podcast there's other people who, who watch <laughs> no. goggle box no right. i need to clarify sure. are you watching... goggle box all right no are you watching it's the brilliant. english goggle box or the irish goggle box oh, oh. i'm watching both oh see, now i i now understand why you shake your head because al was over in ireland Couple of years ago, and we watched Gogglebox, and we had to put the sci- subtitles on for him because he couldn't understand what I was saying. And I have never laughed so hard in all my life. It's hilarious, oh. amazing. It Irish Gogglebox is funny. Is... Some, yeah, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, Gogglebox. But also, can I just say, and I know it's quite raw, The Crown. The Crown is my go-to. Now, the the last series has just dropped, doesn't it? As we know, but I will watch The Crown when I'm in bed and can't sleep and blah, 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 blah. So it's just, I, I know some of it is probably storytelling, but some of it is actually factual, and especially this last series, because we know a lot of it did yeah. happen. Um, so, yeah, so that's that. In terms of what I've been reading, well, in terms of reading, um, as you know, I don't really read a lot because, you know, unless it's a pop-up or something like that. Plus, I, I did say, say that again. Dandy, Bunty. What did you say? Dandy? No. So as you <laughs> know, Jackie, oh, I used to love Jackie. Yeah. Just 17. But the Beano would have been mine. Bean, the Beano, the Beano was mine. But um, as a result of what I encountered a couple of years ago, reading really doesn't work for me now. So what I've been reading this year is mainly um drinks and food menus on cruises. So I, I mean, <laughs> oh, I, lovely. I yeah, I think so as well. Nice. Um, Perfect. Perfect. Listening yeah, to amazing. Not really, not really. I don't really listen to things. To be honest, yeah. The radio is on. I just like the radio. So yeah, I just like the radio. 
like I don't have a, a specific thing that I like. See, that's the thing. I'm quite generic and boring. Quite boring. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, then much. let's go. Vicky McEwen. <laughs> what have I been watching? I watch anything crime related. I love anything crime related. Met police, oh. 24 hours in police custody. Oh. <laughs> Those sorts of gripping programs. Um, and I've watched The Crown this weekend, Scott. Well, I mean, obvs. 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 And actually watched a fab or binge watched a fab um, series called Blackbird, which I think was out last year, this weekend, oh, yeah. which is about um, someone experiencing um, poor mental health and attachment and trauma. So that in itself yeah. was slightly work-related. Um, podcasts, I absolutely binge podcasts, but again, it's all either crime-related or trauma-related or anything like that. So I maybe need to get a life and listen to something else that isn't no, anything to do yeah. with that. Yep. You're maybe a barrel of laughs, aren't you? <laughs> but then in my free time, I like to eat out. So I go out for food and dinner a lot. So, so you read menus as well then? Yeah, absolutely. There you go. See? Yeah. Can I, can I say if anyone I follows... eat my feelings when I go out. Yeah. Oh, that's peculiar. We're just about to um, say I do eat my feelings then. So. No, no. What I was going to say is, if anyone wants to wants an amazing like window into the life of someone living this amazing life, it's what follow your social media because it's like you in a kayak, you up a mountain, <laughs> you you are you having drinks, you wrestling alligators. Is that on my personal or my work though? That might be a window into my personal life that I've not shared on, on my. Uh, work oh, but yeah, see, I see. Uh, I haven't seen them, so it's clearly no, your personal I, one. I'm not on your personal. You've no, not I let me in. Mix. You are. <laughs> <laughs> and neither should she. No, no. <laughs> says, says the lad. Now she's thinking, why did I? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, well, he would. He, he doesn't care anyway. He just likes things and, le- and moves on. <laughs> Unless it's Twitter and then he slags you off and that's about it. So, yeah. We don't oh, worry about don't it. Start. It's fine. Excellent. Um, oh, mate. But what are you reading though, Vicky? Come on. Oh, you've said <laughs> Again, that. You said crime. that. Sorry. Love... Yeah. But the, one good book I've read recently, which I've read before, because I love reading anything where... Um, care experience people with lived experience write stuff themselves i love that what's it called 20 things um adopted children wish their parents knew i've read that and handed copies of that out to people recently because i think there's something about listening to children and young people rather than just winging it or thinking professionals know best because we don't so we should absolutely keep bringing it back and listening to young people so serious and sensible. I, I thought you were going to say um, flowers in the attic or the latest Dan yeah. Brown model. God, that's an old one. I'm too young for that. <laughs> right. She is. She doesn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> How rude. So just, just, just because we can, just because we've got this platform. So 20 Things Adopted Kids Wish Their Adoptive Parents Knew is written by Sherry Eldridge and is available on Amazon if anybody's interested in reading it. So there you go. Just plugging nice. it. I don't know who Sherry Eldridge is, but, you know. Anyway. <laughs> we should get her on the podcast. Because I'd never heard of it until hey. so you mentioned it there. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Why don't yeah, we get go. her on the podcast? Because people... Authors are mad. Come on, interviewer. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Right, Sherry Eldridge. Right, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make yeah. that happen. Mm-hmm. Good. 
Okay. Does right, that mean uh, we have to do less of the, the other publishers that contact us? Absolutely, please, yeah. Please. Oh, it's honestly, it's been a tirade of late. <sighs> um, Hayley Muir. Bless you. Yes. Um, what have I been listening to? Well, I went to a concert, which I hadn't done for, for oh, ages. I went to a concert earlier this year. It's very, very um, dated, but I went to see Jocelyn Brown. And you're, you're just looking, I know. Yeah, you're both looking like, who is that? Sorry, wait a minute, Google. I'm just going to make, I'm Get getting my phone. Google up there. <laughs> Google, yeah. Jocelyn Brown. Um, yeah, and last year I went to see Soul to Soul, actually. Oh, I like oh you had a good weekend there, didn't you? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what I've been listening to. And obviously your podcast. Oh, oh, obviously, yeah. that's what I listen over. to. Do I get brownie points yeah. now? I know. Do I get brownie? Yeah, well, I was... she's she's trying to catch up on seven years. In a yeah. Year. <laughs> yeah. Um, watching. I'm gonna go. I go for mindless TV. So because I work so much, like um, like my colleagues do. I mean, I love a bit of Gogglebox, so I'm just oh, on that. Gogglebox yeah, is mint. Yeah. However, I have to say, for me, the best bit of telly is Stephen Mulhern, In for a Penny. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. It's the best That is telly. mindless TV, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> love is. it. I'm just like, wrong. What? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, it no, can that's... be that bottom rung. He brought back deal or no deal. Or no deal so, there you know. You go. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yep. And what I've been reading, it very boringly, no books, but loads of policies, procedures, <laughs> guidance, legislation, stuff like that. Because I also know how to have a good time. And <laughs> <laughs> on, on that Live my best girl. life. <laughs> hashtag wow. keep it real look how young and funky I am <laughs> oh yeah you're doing your hashtag fingers um, well that yeah yeah well the next time we have a proper party we know who to invite don't we um, <laughs> <laughs> not <Can't> us <laughs> well no um, well unless anyone's got anything else I think we should call it quits because we've, we've gone on for an hour, a little while or so I don't probably an hour um, it's been absolutely wonderful to speak to you in the in the flesh, and um, maybe next year uh -huh. we should arrange a proper party sometime. We should do something, shouldn't we? In my house, maybe when Mrs. Coates is away, we could have a we could have a bonfire in the kitchen. <laughs> it's not over Easter. Yeah. We'll all bring chocolate. Drive us to the living room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go for it. With the sofa and the bonfire, yeah. That'd be... <laughs> Cracking, wasn't yeah. it? And we could, could go live. So she could watch us. And she could watch oh, her house. Live. Brilliant. <laughs> we, could, we could put it live on Facebook. She could watch her house burning down around. <laughs> that would be just absolutely <laughs> perfect. Oh. No, but can I just say, because it is our end of year one, um, Al Coates, MB, yep. thank you for another amazing year on the podcast. And we've we've thank done you. lots of the podcast this year. Um, and I think that. I, I say this very, not very often, but I, I try and say it when I can, because I think people think that we earn money from this and we don't. I mean, you know, we've done some stuff that we've actually, you know, yes, we've had some cash from, but we don't get anything from this. This comes out of our own pocket. We work to pay for the podcast. And um, this year especially has been particularly good for me in terms of, um, you know, not living amongst my friends and stuff. So every time I speak to Al, I'm always like, oh God, we've got to do a podcast stuff. But by the end of the podcast, I'm buzzing. And that 
is what it's all about. <laughs> that is what it's all about. So, you know, I, I, we haven't seen each other much this year. I think we've seen each other no. once. Yeah. Um, we haven't seen each other at all, have we? Have we? I've, I don't even January. know. January. We saw each other No, we January. haven't. Yeah. Did we? What was that for? <laughs> Memorable, then. I can't yeah, mention it because be. she told me and I, was say, I can't mention it because she won't let me talk you say the words. It was the yeah, G Scott. We went to London. We met in London. Oh, that thing. Oh yeah. 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 That was my last one, wasn't it? Before they told me that the anyway, um, we won't go there because I will say something and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lower myself to that. Um, it's not worth yeah, it. So that's that's what the po- no, it's not. Um that's what the podcast is for me. It's it's just so you know and people will keep on listening so thank you to our listeners because do you know what we even if you didn't listen we'd still do it anyway but you know it's just great <laughs> that people do listen and you know some of the feedback we get is amazing and some of our episodes might not interest everybody but you know what there's always something in there for someone and even if you just come from the for the bands that's that that, that i'm happy with that yeah. and vicky and Haley, thank you for joining the network you know i know that the network is quite small but we've got three little podcasts going on there and you know it's just it's amazing that you know people will listen to your podcast as well and get something out of it as well so you know thank you for thank you for being a part of our little family yeah thank you so much for letting us join excellent Mm. See, I would never do the soppy stuff. You see, that's the, <laughs> that's the bad. is that down to you? Yeah, because you know, like he doesn't do that sort of stuff. So, but I will. I'll yeah. always say it. So you no, go. Twenty twenty three. Boom, boom, <laughs> and well, hello twenty twenty four. Absolutely. And on that note, we shall hand over to the king's speech. So, bye. Oh. <gasps> Say goodbye then. Don't just wave. Say goodbye. Bye. Oh, sorry. Bye, bye everybody. everybody. And you didn't ask me your normal question. <laughs> you didn't oh, ask what? me the end of your question. What's the end of your question? Bourbon or bourbon? Ah, right. So. <laughs> right. You get one chance, Scott. Bourbon or bourbon? Favorite biscuit? Bourbon. <laughs> no, no, that's bourbon. a drink, fool. Fool. Um, <laughs> and on that bombshell, no, every anchovy. year, every year, bon Jovi, bon Jovi. anchovy, anchovy. Hello, everyone. I'm Tristan Casson Running, CEO and founder of FASD Ireland, as well as husband to Scott Casson Running, one half of the Adoption and Fostering podcast. It's lovely to join you as I've been asked to deliver the alternative 2023 King's Speech and have been told I can talk about any subject that is dear to my heart when it comes to adoption, fostering, SGOs or kinship care. Some of you will know that I spent several years as a Special Educational Needs and Disability Governor at a primary school in Cambridgeshire and since then have spent several years advocating for children and young adults when faced with challenges in education or crisis points that may lead to education being withdrawn for one reason or another. It is my belief, as we enter 2024, that it should be mandatory for every care-experienced child and young adult to be recognised as needing additional support through education and beyond to the age of 2025. I'll start with some background. Currently, children who may be identified with having additional education needs and 
have a diagnosis of some sort of condition might be eligible to apply for an EHCP, Education Healthcare Plan, in England, a CSP, a Coordinated Support Plan, in Scotland, an IDP, an Individual Development Plan, in Wales, a Statement of Special Educational Needs in Northern Ireland, and an IEP, an Individual Education Plan, in Ireland. It sounds complicated already, doesn't it? And they are just different names for fairly similar support frameworks across five countries. Applying for any one of these supports is complex and really challenging for parents or carers to learn the detail of the entire education system and to understand what support is available along with what supports will best meet their child's needs. And remember, sometimes that child may only just have been matched, is about to move in, has perhaps just arrived or has been living with the parent carer for a very short period of time. I recall the meeting 15 years ago where we had to meet with teachers to talk about supports for our first two adopted children. And we had yet to meet the children, let alone understand where they were in their education. We were told they were doing brilliantly at school, so what support would we like to put in place for their move to their new school? Well, neither of us had been parents before. Neither of us had ever had to advocate for a child. We had no up-to-date knowledge of the education system, our only reflection was that in the 1970s, when we were at school, there was a class where kids who were different went every day. We were quite cruel in our ignorance. I hadn't even anticipated that our children might have additional needs. It was never discussed or flagged. Let's see how they get on with the resolution that social workers suggested in the education meeting. In hindsight, we had agreed to the sink or swim theory. Roll forward four weeks and one was struggling even to fold a piece of paper along a dotted line, let alone read or write. The other was excluded for lunchtime and afternoons. Let's call that by agreement, as we didn't know any better, as either he found school overwhelming or they found him overwhelming. Who knows? We eventually established that there had been a history of disruptive education. Eldest had attended primary for a couple of years before moving in with us, and had been sharpening pencils at the back of the classroom. No one could work out how to teach him, but he was settled in class. It turned out that owing to glue ear, he was deaf and simply couldn't hear the teachers. He had lost two full school years sharpening pencils, being ignored rather than developing fundamental executive functioning skills. Youngest had been at a school that specialised in additional needs. We never knew that. And it was being suggested now that he needed Ritalin and all sorts of potentially hallucinogenic medication. I pushed back. I didn't know why, but it just felt wrong. He had received a plethora of diagnosis whilst in multiple foster care placements. Every move to a new home, a new clinician put their own stamp on him. ADHD, enuresis, Tourette's, trauma, all without any evidence. We didn't see the extremes that schools saw. We learned that it is home or school that sees dysregulation, but rarely both. Today, both boys, now adults, are doing well. Regular listeners to the podcast will know that we subsequently adopted again. However, this time we were much better informed. Call it life experience by a baptism of fire. We had cut our teeth in education with our first two children. We knew what we had to do this time. Support was put in place until he reached the age of 25, a written undertaking 
of an education healthcare plan. And should anything happen to it, for whatever reason, well, the placing authority were responsible for privately funding all support until he reaches 25. So this is why I believe every care experienced child needs mandatory support in place. The minute any child experiences the trauma of being removed from family, for whatever reason, the local education authority should be compelled by law to provide appropriate support. We can't see trauma. It doesn't have a physical characteristic like a broken arm, but we know it is there. We often know what our children have been through, or we learn by disclosures on a car journey, bath time, or during bedtime story. Trauma does not come with a written diagnosis from a doctor that can be used or recognised for support in education, nor does trauma stop at the age of 16 or 18. And we now recognise that the prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until the age of 25, so that learning, actions and consequences all start to come together. This makes independent life a little bit easier from that age. It makes absolutely no sense to withdraw support before that time. You need to make sure that you can identify the specific, measurable, achievable, realistic and time-related targets. We call those SMART targets when agreeing to any support framework. I recall one particularly ill-worded support plan that I signed off on in the early days suggested that my child should smile once each day. The support plans must be written as a contract between home, school and support agencies. If you want the team around your child in that meeting to discuss the challenges and what supports are available, then you have every right to demand it. I think 12 people at one meeting was our record. Well, I'm sitting here now listening to it's all beginning to look a lot like Christmas in the office background. So on that note, I will close by thanking Al and Scott for inviting me to share my thoughts aloud and wishing you all a very happy festive season and a peaceful 2024.